It's Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening. I'm Philip Bliss, a business visionary and co-host of Toronto's Podcasts, part of the Canada's Podcast Network, your source for great insights from entrepreneurs across Canada. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Justin Hartsman. Justin is a born entrepreneur, motivated, hardworking, ambitious, and a high-level thinker, and he's passionate about business. He's a graduate of one of Canada's premier business and economic programs at the University of Western Ontario, and comes from a long line of entrepreneurs and investors. From an early age, Justin worked retail in his family's businesses, rising to managerial and buying position. Understanding sales, forecasting, team management, and learning from others are what continues to drive him. Justin is an avid traveler, investor, knowledge seeker, and a family man. He's also a Scotch enthusiast, something that I share with him. Justin, with his team, owns and manages a portfolio of websites and businesses. These fall into the B2B, B2C, and consumer content spaces. With his extreme knowledge of everything internet and past experience in startups to exits, Justin's current focus is to mature his business, flourish, and take a leap back into the startup culture with Needles.com. Can you tell me a little bit more about yourself, you know, where you're from? Give us a five-minute, you know, who Justin is, basically. Yeah, so, well, a lot of it was in that intro that you read, so thank you. But I think where I'm coming from, my mouth is obviously a, a little more entertaining of a story. So, as you said, I, I started very young, uh, understanding from my parents, my grandparents, what it was like to be an entrepreneur or not to go work for someone. And it's something that's been ingrained in me for a long time. And I have this crazy urge for sales and sales at any level, whether it's a hundred thousand dollars, a hundred million dollars, or a hundred dollars, I still get that same euphoric high from making a sale. And that's in anything that's am I making a sale for a new customer? Am I selling someone how they should come work with us at our business and help us to grow? Because it's hard to win great talent right now, whether that's uh, getting investors to come on board. It doesn't matter what it is. It's the art of doing a deal that helps move forward and helps me to attain the goals I've set forth myself is always something that's been interesting to me. And the internet has been a conduit for that since I was very, very young. Um, I remember the 14-4 modem when it came to my house when you, had a, you wanted to load up a picture or a video would come line by line by line by line, and you'd see a little piece of the picture at a time. And I just knew there was ample opportunity for us to grow. So early on, I got involved. We started a website called RudeJoke.com. RudeJoke became the largest content site online for people to come and visit to see funny jokes and get content to post on their websites. Uh, and from there, it just kind of flourished. It went from a small site that became big into getting into new markets all the time. And currently what I'm working on and most exciting for me is needles.com, which is the first uh, artificial intelligence based robo agency. What that means is in six questions, we know exactly who you are, who you want to sell to and what it is that you're selling. We create your ads for you and we optimize and target for you constantly 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What we're doing different in the AI space is we're finding people's intent to purchase. So what does that mean when someone on Facebook or Twitter or somewhere says, 
Uh, my tooth hurts, what do I do? We know that they have a need for a dentist and we can show them an ad for a dentist at that time. So that's a really big project that we've been working on for four years. Uh, we're in a good growth phase right now, which is pretty exciting. And at the same time, if I wasn't crazy enough to be doing a startup at this time, which is crazy in itself, it takes crazy people to do that. We started another one, which is now about a year old called coinsmart.com. And coinsmart is a cryptocurrency digital exchange here in Canada, yeah. which is an absolute nuts market to be in, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I need that constant change and er and rush uh, going through my blood and my veins. So that's what I do currently. We've done, we've done some crypto stuff as well. So you kind of explained it a little, a little bit, Justin, but I like to ask, you know, Yes, you had you know grandparents, parents in the business. What was that stop moment when you said, "I have to be an entrepreneur"? Was there a flash? Maybe there wasn't. No, easy for easy for me. I got I was hired one time to work for someone who wasn't in my family. Mm-hmm. I, I was actually in high school, maybe grade ninth grade, grade nine, uh, and I got a job at the Gap. I was there. I was crushing that job. They. Two things. It's great. They're metric driven there, which I think is really great. I, haven't, I don't know for 20 years, but back then they're metric driven. So how many sales you're making, how many sales per hour, items per sale. And when you put a scoreboard in front of me, I want to win. <laughs> I want to be the top. Of so that's what I did. I was the best damn salesperson that Gap has ever seen. They posted, they printed at that time a monthly uh, newsletter in the form of a magazine and it listed their top salesperson. And I was always there in the top, like, maybe three to five people. I was number one for a long time. But uh, after about two, uh, two or three months of being there, um, the Christmas season ended and they were letting go of some people. And they said, Justin, you know, can't say much about your sales. You're doing amazing, but we're going to have to not renew you into the next season. I said, well, why is that? They said, because you didn't fold a single piece of clothing the entire time you were here. And I said, well, that's not my job. I was hired as a salesperson not to fold clothes. And I was the best darn salesperson that your store has ever seen or they've seen nationally. So what's the problem? Like, that's not the culture that we were going for. That's not the sales that we're looking for. Sorry, uh, it's not for you. And I knew from that point on, I could never work for somebody who hammered. Not only was I not getting paid commission, but still doing a good job for them. I'm not ever going to let someone hammer or stammer me and the growth that I want to bring, when I can see efficiencies or deficiencies that I can bring, I want to be able to implement those with the right people who are like-minded and working for someone else uh, really never made that opportunity for me. So that's where I am. You realize that you really weren't going to be happy working for someone else. How did you get things started? How, you know, how did you get in the business? Did you go and work for your family? Did you? No, I, I, I started with my, I, I, with my current business partners now. We met when we were six years old, went to camp together mm-hmm. uh, on the east coast of Canada. So we've known each other for 30 years now, considering I'm 36. And we all had the same entrepreneurial spirit. And we just saw with the internet came opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, with technology came opportunity. We got in really early and we saw that we can make money from all these great ways. And we just started trying and testing and looking what was hot. And that's where we got to where we are today. And like I say to everyone, I do a lot of mentoring and I help other people who uh, are new to, to startups or new to doing business or being an entrepreneur. And a question I get is like, how did you do it? The same question you asked. Yeah, right. I mean, how did you focus? I mean, I think lots of people, you know, they, they, they want to do it, but they can't get the focus. How did, how did you? It's not focus. That's what I was about to say. It's not focus. 
there's something that's right in front of these people's face, something that stops them, like you're saying, and that's one word, and that's called fear. And when you can take that one step over fear, you can cross that line and jump into it, that's when you're going to make the best effort to get done what you need to do. There's always something to fall back upon. If you're always waiting for the perfect opportunity, it's never going to happen. So you, you realize that the internet was full of opportunity at that point. How I mean, but you know, it's like this big kind of thing. How did you find, how did you decide on when I said focus, you know, where your focus was going to go? Well, it's where my interests were at the time. So like early on, I was into first player shooter games. <clears throat> so because I was into that, I built a community around it and I provide services for those people. And if they needed server space, they needed the hosting. I provide that for them. That was interesting to me. I got to bring two passions together, making money, building community mm-hmm. and the games they like. And then from there, following trends online was really big for us. Well, something that was new that gave us a platform or an opportunity when eBay came out. That was a big thing for us as a great way to make money. When Amazon affiliate came out, when MySpace was, which helped us we became we sold our first two companies in 2005 within one year because myspace gave us the platform to produce third-party content for their users so anyone who had a myspace page that wanted to customize it or pimp their profiles they said we made the content for that and we saw that opportunity really early on and because of that it helped us grow so we look for the early opportunities we look for the places that other people the gaps in the market and that's what we try to hone in on. How did you find, I mean, how did you finance all that? You know, that, uh, that's a, that, that becomes a, that's always a big issue for, for startups, for entrepreneurs in general. Until Needles, we bootstrapped absolutely everything. We started with $0. We made a first dollar. We reinvested it. We put them back in. We put them back. We sold two businesses of bootstrap. Uh, mm-hmm. When Needles came to the market and we went from being, you know, three founders and offshore teams all over helping us build them and we went, Let's build a startup. Let's build a culture. Let's build something here that we can be proud of, that we can have a legacy. We knew that to get that to the size that we wanted to, while we had some mild successes, we wanted to see this on a much larger scale. And to do that, we had to go out and raise funds. And to raise funds, the first thing you have to do before anyone's going to give you any money is not only have an idea, but you got to go sell to someone. And that's what we're really good. We can sell our products to people. We just need scale. It's good that you say that because, I mean, I think that's what's really interesting. You say bootstrap and everyone thinks, oh, you know, you've got to find money, you've got to find money. But frankly, I would say, you know, 80 to 90% of the people I talk to uh, as entrepreneurs bootstrap their business heck of a long way before they bother with investment. Um, that's right, because a lot of things don't need that much investment. Like Needles, we have a whole AI department, data science that involves so much technology and so much programming and learning. Like that's a huge expense that you have to do before you can get to market in most cases. With that being the case, it's really hard to bootstrap unless you yourself have yeah. dollars on. But if you have an idea, you know, you can read in any book, any entrepreneur who's had any success will tell you the same thing. Just go out there and sell it before you made it. If you sell it and you know people want it, you can find a way to make it and get to those people. So whether you have an MVP and you're showing them static screens and then it's not a product that works, if someone's willing to pay you for it, then more people are and you can go out and get them right money to do so. So it's all about taking the little baby steps. So what does a typical day look like for you as a supercharged entrepreneur, if you like? So I'm up around uh, five o'clock every morning. 
I get to then spend some time with my kids, my two daughters and my wife. And uh, I use that as like a, I take about the first 15 minutes to answer all the overnight emails from everyone overseas and in Asia. I spend time with my family. Uh, I feed them breakfast. I take my daughter to school. And then uh, it's off to the office around 8.15 to 8.30 every morning. And then from there, every day is different. It could be a day full of meetings. It could be day of meetings. I do a lot of travel for business all over the place. But quite frankly, it's thinking about the big ideas, understanding the vision if it's coming to place, ensuring that the people I have put in place who are much smarter and better than I am uh, have the resources that they need to do their jobs. And then um, I constantly still, I still work on the sales side of my companies. I, I'm interested in doing that. It doesn't change my passion. So I'm always playing some role in that, whether it's very large deals, whether it's fundraising. Uh, and then I go home around seven o'clock every night. I put my kids to bed. I have dinner with my wife and then I go to sleep. Uh, and in between that, I have tons of uh, events to be at or mentoring talks that I do. Anywhere I can be useful, I try to be while making sure I have my family time at the same time. Sure. You know, what's your current business model and how do you think you're going to execute on your long-term vision? Well, my current vision is to build companies that offer a great product and service to help the underserved. And what I mean underserved is usually the long tail customer. So the consumer who wants to start their own business, the small, small business, the solopreneur. Um, and by doing that, I want to build a great culture of people who are excited to do the same thing. And I want to uh, create for myself uh, freedom. And what does freedom look like? That's financial freedom, that's time freedom, that's ability to do what I want to do as I move forward. And what I love to do is spend more of my time to be useful to give back to other people when I can get myself into that position to do that full time. So working towards something that's been very big in my life for the last 12 years between what we talked about and starting Needles, I start, had a company which we have sold now called WeSellYourSite.com. We brokered other people's web businesses and something brokering and selling businesses key to me. So um, I build these businesses to build them up, sell them, get the right people and to lead them from the you know, $10 million to the $100 million range. I'm a good starter. I'm a good visionary. But I know there's people that, you know, I'm good to get it to $10 million. I need people, the right people to get it from 10 to 100 So knowing your weakness is a big thing. Good, good knowing your, know your, know your strengths. So what are the biggest benefits for you, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur in Toronto? Why here? Why not somewhere else, you know? It's a good question. I'm not from Toronto. I'm originally from Kingston. So, um, you know, I went, I lived in Kingston. I moved out 17 uh, to go to Western University. And then from Western University, I came to be here in Toronto. I've been here ever since. I think that, when I look back at it, there's a lot of opportunities that have been created for me outside of business here. So finding my wife, establishing where, so where all my friends have come and moved from and all their little places that we uh, lived before, whether it was Kingston, Windsor, Halifax, British Columbia, wherever it may have been, this is a good central spot for us. Um, I think finding the talent that we need is certainly key when we're working on like a, only a semi-distributed team. We try and have people locally where we can come together and have everyone's brain in the same room and working on it. We have lots of distributed people as well, but this is a central hub for them to come together. And, you know, it's just, it, it feels like home for me now. It's a big city. I like that feel. And I like, uh, I like being here and ever changing, you know, having my office in one part of the city and then moving it to another as we grow lets us have different bits and pieces and feel like we're in different places. 
plus the amount of travel that I do, it'd be hard anywhere else in Ontario to be to add an additional hours of driving to my travel schedule. Being here with two airports lets me get where I need to quicker. So you, you already mentioned Asia. You're obviously doing business not just in Canada. How'd you get there? What's the trick about going international? Well, I know this is a question that a lot of people ask me, and there's a lot of talks that people go to about expanding international. For me, it was like nothing seems international when I'm working on the internet. You know, you could be in Asia right now, and I wouldn't even know if you were there because you're in front of a computer the same way I am. We're working at the same time, getting the same things done. Yes. So it, it, for me, it, it, it was it's never like an active choice. And the fact is, as Canadians, if I could take American dollars, I get a huge advantage. So if I go to other places outside of Canada, American dollars are normal, especially the U.S., they're always key to us. We always like that differential in dollars. I think with video communication, just like we're doing at the moment, it changes things. Is there a place in Toronto or close to the city, you know, where you like to recharge, you know, get inspired, think, if you like? <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't take that opportunity enough. So I would like to say yes, and I would like to change my answer eventually. But uh, one day I hope to have a nice place outside the city. I do like being and renting a cottage or going to one of my friends where you don't just feel the buzz about you that you get in the city all the time. Everything is blurring back and forth. Just sit me down. Let me look at the water. I'm a big water guy. I've been a boater uh, my entire life. So sailing, powerboats, the whole deal, small watercrafts. So I, I love that. And it doesn't have to be outside the city. I'll happily go down to uh, our place in Florida where we can do that. Or we tra- my wife and I like to travel as much as we possibly can and with the kids and just be in a quieter place in Toronto. Do you think entrepreneurs have to be kind of weird, unique? Yeah, we're all, we're all a little bit nuts. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. You have to be even keel enough to know that there's ebbs and flows and there's good times when there's bad times. And there's probably a lot more bad times than there are good times, but the good times will eventually outweigh the bad. And I was was, uh, at a great talk last night and it's so true. Like it doesn't matter who you are. If you, you can get knocked down a billion times. That's what's going to happen as an entrepreneur. Things are so great. You have this awesome contract. You're going to go fulfill it. And the day before you get a phone call, sorry, we decided to go a different direction. Well, shit's going to happen. You know, it's just going to happen. It's not how you get knocked down. It's cliche, but it's how you get back up. And I think that's the main thing. Being an eternal optimist and constantly just knowing that there's another opportunity is what drives me and I think a lot of entrepreneurs out there. So if you weren't an entrepreneur, what would you like to do for a profession? Um, I think that I would like to do, uh, something in the, in the banking trading world. What wouldn't you like to do? Um, what would I, I wouldn't like to work for anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what would I not like to do? Um, I think I wouldn't be good at, not that I wouldn't wouldn't want to do is like manual labor out in the sun. I'm, I'm sun adverse. Uh, so uh, things that are outdoor all the time I wouldn't like unless it's in the shade so in business what's your favorite word or sentence you know phrase whatever you know what's your favorite word Uh, it goes back to my personal mantra which is just being useful and that can come under any form whatsoever you know helping someone giving something back giving them a suggestion it all comes back to you tenfold what's your least favorite statement 
No, or impossible. If you had to pick one or two words to describe you, what would they be? Uh, tenacious and, and convicted. Like, I'm very convicted in what I do, and I'm, I will fight for it to the end. I'm tenacious. I won't give up. You know, what keeps you up at night? It, you know, maybe nothing. Uh, well, a lot. I don't, I'm not a good sleeper, and that's not a good thing. People need to get your sleep. Um, I, gotta, I have to work on that myself. What keeps me up at night is not achieving the goals I've set out for myself and my company and hitting my milestones when I was supposed to. I think those are the things that it's just not achieving what I want to in the quickest amount of time. It's being stagnant. I like to be always moving. What are the top three th- things that inspire you? Your inspired list, basically. Um, I'm inspired. This is new for me. Inspired by watching my kids grow up and seeing how they learn and how how smart they take on things, and even seeing, which is not always the best thing, how my wife and I are in our children and how they think and do things. I'm like, that's crazy. That's how I would have thought at that time or how I think now. How how does she do that? So I think that's pretty inspiring for me. Um, second of all is the, the ability that I can go out there and create my own destiny is inspiring for myself. And whether it's a good day or a bad day, there's always tomorrow. And if you're smart, you can get through whether the bad days. I think those are, are, are mostly the inspiration for me. And the fact that you can build something from nothing if you just really care and you really, really want it to happen. There's always a, a way if you have the will to do it. So this is our favorite island question, but maybe you heard a few answers. There's a small tropical island just off Fiji that has just one phone booth, no internet. We drop you off there. You don't have a computer or a smartphone or a tablet. You can use a phone booth located there anytime to call the boat, but that's all, and we'll come and pick you up. How long would you last before you made that call, and what would you do while you were there? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, my, my, my answer is this. I would call that boat when the time was right. And I think the time is right depending on the variables that happened to me on that island. Is the weather permittable where I'm comfortable, I can stay there and recharge? Or am I on a stormy island that I'm wet and I'm getting hypothermic? It's a different situation. So situationally, I would decide that based on my surroundings and knowing my limits, uh, what I could handle, not handle. Okay, so you know, just to to wrap things up a bit, you've given us lots of good, given us lots of good input. But is there any you know advice that you've received that you want to pass on to entrepreneurs across Canada? Yeah, I would. I would say I've said it earlier. I'll say it again. Just take that opposite, take that step over fear. You see that line, just take that step over it. You can always jump back if you ever need to, but if you never try, you're never going to see what you're capable of. Be tenacious, be convicted in what you're doing. Um, Stand up for what's right and what you believe in. There's no such thing as no, nothing's impossible. You just have to find the way to get around that wall. Sometimes it's through it, sometimes it's over it, sometimes it's under it, sometimes it's blowing it up. doesn't matter what it is. There's always a way if you want to make that happen. That's really good. How can people get a hold of you? You know, people listen, they, they want to talk. You know, that, yeah, that's absolutely. That's part of this, this, this network we're building. Yeah, no, I always do that. I was happy you asked. I would let know. Anyways, you can reach me at... J-H at needles.com. So my first and last initial, J-H at N-E-E-D-L-S dot com. 
or jh at coinsmart.com. Either or, you can get a hold of me. That's, uh, you can ask any questions. I've, you know, I've had awesome opportunities. I do podcasts like this all the time. And I put my email out there. There's nothing more valuable. I get a new deal that comes through. Someone inv- gets me to an investor. Or someone asks questions. I help them. They come work for me eventually or work with me. Um, so I love it. If you want to know anything I can be helpful at all, please feel free to email away. Happy to do so. Thanks, everyone, for taking the time today to listen to Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters or write a review for us on iTunes. You can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at canadaspodcast.com. You can also check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'm Phil Bliss. See you next time.